Locked On Podcast Network presents Locked On Sports Today. It's been a good year for the Miami Dolphins, but are they looking over their shoulder as we enter the final stretch of the season? Also, what's going on with the Suns and the Jets? They don't need Aaron Rodgers to play GM. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're Locked On Sports Today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. It is the marquee matchup of the weekend. It's Cowboys-Dolphins, a terrific uniform matchup. Two 10-4 teams hoping to solidify themselves in the playoff race. The Cowboys coming off a beatdown at the hands of the Buffalo Bills, a team all of a sudden getting a lot of heat in the AFC East. Kyle Krabs from Locked On Dolphins joins me now. And, and Kyle, uh, the, the Buffalo Bills are the new hotness. They are the team that everyone is talking about right now. And just quietly, the Dolphins just beat the crap out of the Jets, ended their season essentially, ended all of the, mercilessly ended the Aaron Rodgers discussions. My God, thank goodness that is over. Why are people sleeping on the Miami Dolphins who just might be the most complete team in the AFC? Well, I I certainly think the head-to-head matchup that these two teams experienced, the Bills and the Dolphins, when they played in week four, uh, which is several months ago, very different teams since then, um, probably has a lot to do with it. The Buffalo Bills have had a lot yeah. of head-to-head success against the Dolphins. Everybody's just assuming, looking at the strength of schedule, Buffalo's going to run the table. Miami's going to drop a game and then they're going to play week 18 with a chance and and everybody's going to put their money on the chips and their chips on the bills because they've had so much recent success against the Dolphins. So I I get it, but nevertheless, uh, Miami pretty favorable positioning to find themselves in with three weeks left to play this season. So they have to beat the Dallas Cowboys in order to do it. Um, And it, it is Pretty advantageous, I would say, that uh, the Bills found success against Dallas by just running it down their throats. And Miami has been maybe the most creative and diverse run scheme team in the league. Um, is that the matchup that you're looking for here? Just, hey, r- r- you can you can do get whatever you want in this run game? Or what are you looking at for Miami where you think, okay, if they can, if they can exploit this, they're going to win? Yeah, I think there's, there's two layers to this offensive matchup against Dan Quinn's defense, and one of them is the running game and, and John Hankins being injured with the high ankle sprain. Uh, that's a big loss for Dallas in the interior. They have a former safety who's playing one of their two linebacker spots for them. So you really feel like up the middle you can exploit them, and, and Miami uh, has a little bit more of a road greater presence inside. Uh, they're hoping Robert Hunt, their guard, can be back this week. Uh, but they have a couple of guys who aren't maybe as dynamic athletically for their perimeter run game, but they can reset the line of scrimmage and move move forward and get good push if they're going to run between the tackles where Dallas is at their weakest. The other is Dallas defensively does not handle motion particularly well. And Miami... That seems bad against Miami. About as much more than anybody else does. And obviously that Shanahan scheme uh, that, that Mike McDaniel has put his own spin and flavor on those two layers combined, if you're looking for the pathway for Miami to win this game, you like what that adds up to, provided you don't turn the ball over, shoot yourself in the foot, and take points off the board for yourself, which when Miami has lost games, that's been a, a pretty common theme. How, how concerning right now is the health of this team? Because at practice on Wednesday, um, the entire offensive line on the injury report, Tyreek Hill dealing with an injury, as well, and and you have to be able to protect Tua. You're going to have to be able to open run lanes, um, and it would be nice to have maybe the most dynamic playmaker in the league against a Cowboys offense that we know can score. 
And Mike McDaniel alluded to on Monday when he spoke with the media that if you worked out before the game, you were close. And that was the status of Tyreek Hill. He worked out before the game. Xavier Howard, the other corner uh, opposite Jalen Ramsey, also worked out and then did not dress. Uh, safety Deshaun Elliott is in the final stages of clearing concussion protocol. He did not play against the Jets either. We'll see about Javon Holland. As far as the offensive line, Teron Armstead, Liam Eikenberg, the left tackle in the center, uh, were in the same state last week. Uh, they they made it through the game without any injuries, so you feel good about uh, left tackle through center. Austin Jackson seems to be day-to-day. That's what Mike McDaniel alluded to him as. He's the right tackle. So they'll have the majority of the offensive line out there, but uh, I, I certainly think it'll be a more complete version of the team than what it was that, that was out on the field against the Jets. It's just a question of how many of those fringe guys they ultimately get back. What is the biggest concern defensively from Miami against this, this Cowboys team that although they did not perform at their best last week has been one of the most consistently um, efficient offenses in the league this season. Yeah. I think just making sure that you, you tackle uh, where, where Dallas, if they're going to run the volume through CD lamb, we'll see if the dolphins have Jalen Ramsey travel with him. Like they did this past week for the first time all season, they had a corner that traveled with a receiver and Garrett Wilson. Uh, so that will be on the table for Miami. If not, then it's really going to come down to you get a backup linebacker and Duke Riley, who's playing, playing well, but nevertheless a backup who's playing one of the two inside linebacker spots for Miami. And that extra passing volume that goes to the Dallas running backs and tight end room, uh, that may be one of the matchups for Dallas. If they're going to stay on schedule offensively, they're going to have to break some tackles and win one-on-one matchups in the middle of the field. Stay up to date all year on the Miami Dolphins by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Dolphins on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, the Suns are really confusing right now. Before we get to why, the Ravens, they just, they're like Ronnie Dangerfield. They can't get no respect. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, what are you waiting for? The app is easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, teasers, and more. There's also a lot of weekly promos and boosts to give you plenty of opportunities to increase your payout. The Rams are riding high after winning four of their last five and favored to win over the Saints on Thursday night. Football FanDuel has the Rams favored by four and a half. You can also combine bets for a bigger payout. Same game parlay is a great way to enjoy watching sports. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and do the NFL season right. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7. Covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. In Baltimore's much-anticipated Monday night showdown at the San Francisco 49ers, the Ravens will be underdogs for just the second time this season. That role didn't sit well with some inside the locker room of the team that's tied for the best record in the NFL. Raven safety Kyle Hamilton said, I feel like we're the best team in the league and we have an opportunity in front of the country to show it. Currently five and a half point underdogs. So not just dogs, five and a half point dogs. If it holds, this would be the second largest underdog role for Baltimore with a healthy Lamar Jackson under center. He's not bothered by it as much as his teammate though. I don't want them to pick us. I like being the underdog, Jackson said. 
Ben Simmons won't return to the Brooklyn Nets until at least January because of a pinched nerve in his lower back. He sustained his latest back injury on November 6th, but the Nets maintain he has shown increased strength in his back over the last two weeks. The team did say he will continue to do individual drills and be reevaluated in two weeks. Simmons played in six games before he was hurt and missed 20 already this season after his last two seasons were cut short because of back problems. Well, back problems and contractitis. On the hardwood, the Timberwolves took on the Sixers. Coming in, it just felt like they were maybe due for one of these types of games. Easy to say in hindsight, I know, but Vegas is usually all over this stuff. And when I saw the spread, Philly by three and a half, I just thought maybe something fishy might happen tonight. Wolves beat this team earlier in the year, if you remember, with no Joel Embiid. And obviously, he's an MVP for a reason. He was unstoppable tonight. And wait, what can you say, man? I mean... I don't get how you stop the dude if he just draws all these fouls. And it's so tough to watch tonight specifically because the guy embellishes so much when he's down in the paint, doesn't he? And and don't get me wrong, 90% of those are fouls. I get it. They're legit. But Anthony Edwards doesn't get a lot of those calls. And, and by halftime, Jack, it just seemed like some Wolves guys were just so afraid to touch him. It just left guys kind of almost shell-shocked. In an offseason baseball news, the New York Mets' new general manager made a trade with his former team, the Milwaukee Brewers. Well, it turns out the Mets can make a move before Yoshinobu Yamamoto decides where he will sign this offseason. They have made a pretty big trade with the Milwaukee Brewers to acquire Adrian Hauser and Tyrone Taylor. This solves two needs for the Mets. They get a pitcher that can slide to their rotation or at least provide maybe that Trevor Williams type role from the 2022 season. And they get an outfielder that fills their fourth outfielder role. So it, it does solve multiple things, and it's not really a heavy cost to acquire these guys. All the Mets sent in this trade is pitching prospect Coleman Crow. Now, for those of you who don't remember who Coleman Crow is, the Mets acquired him last year in the deal that sent Eduardo Escobar to the Los Angeles Angels. So for the rest of that season for Eduardo Escobar, the Mets end up getting now Adrian Hauser and Tyrone Taylor is another story you need to know. It feels weird to talk about the Phoenix Suns because we haven't even really seen the Phoenix Suns, but the season marches on without them. They lose on Tuesday night, a 109-104 disappointment against the Portland Trailblazers. Kevin Durant has 40 because that's what Kevin Durant does. Devin Booker puts in 26, but this team healthy together with their version of the big three has played less than a full game's worth of minutes so far this season. Brendan Clean from Locked On Suns joins me now. And Brendan, I mentioned, it does seem a little unfair to judge this team based on what we've seen so far this season. But that was also the bet that this team made. So how are you evaluating what we've seen so far? Not good enough. I think you can set aside, I mean, we haven't seen the big three, but really we have not seen Bradley Beal. Right. Durant, Booker, those guys have had some some different bruises and and bang-ups throughout the year, but nothing too significant. It's really been Beal, and that's fine. That's well and good. The offense will improve. It's only hovered around 10th when, you know, Suns fans were optimistic. It could maybe be the best one in the entire league. So there's room right. to grow there, but I tend not to worry about that side of the floor for that reason. The defense is 
is the issue. Um, I, I guess I should say I don't worry about scoring. There's some offensive issues we can get into, but the defense is more significant because it's just flat out not championship caliber right now. They let teams waltz to the rim against them. They don't force any turnovers. They constantly make mistakes that are obvious even to you know somebody who has no idea what the scheme is supposed to be. It's not even execution. It is it is just kind of basic basketball effort and fundamentals that are breaking down and allowing open threes and 38-point quarters like we saw in the Portland game that you referenced. So I think from any angle, regardless of Beal, regardless of the fact that they're technically a winning team, the past week, week and a half has been a big wake-up call for this team. And uh, I think it's an inflection point of the season, even as they still wait for Beal to come back. Yeah, that, that Blazers game, they had a double-digit lead at halftime and could not get enough stops in the second half to ultimately win that game. And so they've made some tweaks, not just with uh, adding Bradley Beal um, as part of the offseason trades. They bring in Yusuf Nurkic. They bring in G Grayson Allen. And Grayson Allen has been weirdly essential for this team yeah. so far this season. What have you what have you seen from those pieces as they try to adjust to what is from the beginning of last season almost an entirely new team around Devin Booker? I think the DeAndre Ayton move has proven to be fairly successful because if you again look at that Trailblazers game, even though it was a loss, they started the three players that they got back in that trade. Um and so it, it, even if it didn't pan out. The starting lineup obviously did not do enough to get them over the finish line. That shows a level of trust with three rotation players that you basically got for the equivalent of one and another young player that they sent out. So I, I think that part of it just has to feel like a win from a purely sort of asset standpoint. Um, Grayson Allen in particular, he's been a, a huge part of when they've really clicked. I think that what he does with his decision-making, his aggressiveness, uh, just kind of plays basketball the way that Kevin Durant and Devin Booker want to play basketball in terms of quick those quick decisions, pushing the pace, uh, you know, just sort of YMCA gym basketball at the end of the day. I think he's really meshed with that. Uh, Nurkic is their only big man that can do much, so I think he's been valuable just for that sake. He's He's been better than his Portland days. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, Frank Vogel even said it after the loss, they are already dipping further into their depth chart than even they expected. And, and that's separate from the injuries. Because outside of Beal at this point, they're missing Josh Okogie, who's like a, a defensive specialist for them. They're pretty healthy. And they're still clamoring for different matchups and, and, and lineups to figure out some sort of unit that's going to produce and be balanced enough on both sides of the floor. Um, and it, it, there hasn't been a lot of answers it feels like something that they're just going to have to probably lean into the offense and really have the identity of we're going to outscore you and hope the defense comes along just purely by execution and reps and chemistry. Stay up to date all year on the Phoenix Suns by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Suns on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Coming up, the Jets should tell Aaron Rodgers, thanks but no thanks. As soon as Aaron Rodgers signed with the Jets, he got to work bringing all his friends with him. Now he's offering his recruiting services again for this coming offseason. Peacock and Williamson know just what the Jets should say to this. Aaron Rodgers, he's done. He's not coming back in 2023, and, and, you know, and he shouldn't. And he'll be back, though, with the Jets, it looks like, in 2024. He also, Matt, said that, you know, whatever... He said, I'm pretty good at recruiting, so whatever the Jets need me to do in 2024 to improve the roster... You know, I'm in to help do that. 
And when you look at the Jets 2024, once Rodgers went down, everything else that came along with Rodgers was not only not helpful, but potentially detrimental with Hackett, with the offensive coordinator. Um, there was big time problems with Alan Lazard and, you know, and, and so, Cobb. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, sure, help recruit, but I don't know if we want the guys you want next year. Kind of reminds me of Belichick. Like, you're a Hall of Famer, you're an all-time great, but yeah. stay in your lane and coach the team and play the quarterback. We'll do the GMing, you know what I mean? Like, we don't need all your buddies that are overpriced and old and just because you trust them. If it's Devontae Adams, I mean, I'm a little more – ears are open on something like that, but Lazards and Cobbs of the world, no. Clearly, the Aaron Rodgers team-building plan didn't work. What's more – the Aaron Rodgers as recruiter idea is based in fantasy. He has never recruited good players to his team that weren't his former teammates. So in the case of the Jets, let me just bring all my old buddies. And by the way, Al Lazard, a healthy scratch at various points this season. Randall Cobb, a healthy scratch at various points over the course of this season. Tim Boyle released... Like, it just didn't work. But you go back to his Green Bay Packers days. He didn't bring any impactful players as a recruiter in his entire career. Odell Beckham Jr. had the chance to sign with the Packers, chose the Rams, had a chance to sign with the Packers. And in the, in, in the next offseason, didn't sign with anybody, had the chance to sign with the Jets this past offseason, signed with the Ravens instead. Point me exactly to the places where he has directly, it, it, direct, I'm talking direct recruitment from Aaron Rodgers has contributed to bringing in a high-level player. It hasn't happened. The bigger question is, should Joe Douglas be the GM? Not Aaron Rodgers should clearly not be the GM of the Jets, but should Joe Douglas? Because Joe Douglas, at the behest of his owner, of course, Gave himself over to Aaron Rodgers, the team builder, but go back to Joe Douglas, the team builder. An offensive line that doesn't work, missed high picks on, on high value players, Mick missed pick on the quarterback of the future. Yes, he got Zach Wilson, or he got Garrett Wilson, the other, the other Wilson, the one that's actually good. And he got Sauce Gardner. That's really, really good. But where... Where are the big wins for Joe Douglas outside of that? What has he proven outside of the time that he had two top 10 picks? Congratulations on hitting on some high picks. You still have to make those picks. But the only reason you got those picks is because the team was so bad with the quarterback that you picked that they got high picks. And they convinced the Seahawks to give up way too much for Jamal Adams. Where is the evidence that this is a high-level general manager, that this is the guy to get you to a Super Bowl? Because this team, without Aaron Rodgers, is a disaster. Even Aaron Rodgers was not going to fix this version of the Jets. And that is on the actual general manager, not Aaron Rodgers. And finally, Deflategate is back, baby. The Chiefs win over the Patriots feature underinflated pigskins. After complaints were made, officials took balls meant for each team's kicking unit into the locker room at Gillette Stadium at halftime on Sunday. Their officials reportedly discovered the balls weighed 11 pounds per square inch. NFL rules state the balls must be inflated between 12.5 PSI and 13.5 PSI. It didn't favor any one team as both kickers missed a field goal in the first half. 
But man, doesn't it bring back some Tom Brady memories? Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Coming up on the next Locked On Sports Today, will the Rams keep the momentum going? So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports Today.